Um, if you have your Bible, would you please turn um, to Psalm 128? As we are continuing our summer series, Wisdom Through the Psalms, Psalm 128, Wisdom Through the Psalm. Um, Brother Dave kicked up the series two weeks ago in Psalm 1, um, and we'll continue today with Psalm 128. If you have a copy of God's Word, say amen. Amen. I know you just um, sat down, but if you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reading of the Word of God? I'll read the, the entirety of the psalm, only six verses. Hear now the Word of God. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, verse 4, yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. Let me read this again. Yes, this will be the blessing for the men who fear the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. The word of God for the people of God. Would you bow and join me in prayer? Lord, we know that there's no preaching without praying. There's no preaching without your Holy Spirit. So Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me, mold me, shape me, so that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, will be acceptable unto your sight. O Lord, my rock, my Savior, my Redeemer. Father, we pray that if there's somebody who's in here who do not know you, do not let them leave this place without making peace with you through Christ Jesus. And if there's somebody who come in here this morning discouraged, we'll pray that this word, as we look into your promise, this word will be an encouragement to them, Father God. Speak, for we are listening. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As you take your seat, I want you to, to pray, pre, play preacher with me. The title of the sermon this morning is, The Man the Lord Blesses. Would you say that out loud with me? The Man... Amen. Um, this week, I received a text from one of, one of my closest friends. Um, it was in a group text, and it was a TikTok link. And the link was about a comedian who was renting to the fact that Father's Day and the American holidays is number 22. Mother's Day is number one. And just so you know, Halloween comes before Father's Day. Billy Graham, and my, my kids will always say that, that's, that's, that's a pity. Billy Graham had a quote, I believe, that encapsulates what the way that Americans has view fathers, the way that we as a society has view fathers. Billy Graham says this, the late great Reverend Dr. Billy Graham. He says this, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. Let me say this again, if you are sleeping so you can wake up. He says this, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. I believe that this quote sums up the reality of our culture. Men, let me remind you this morning, this afternoon rather, even though you may not be sung, even though you may not be praised, even though you may not be noticed, but let me tell you something just as I'm on my introduction. You are valuable. Let somebody say, men, you are valuable. You are important to society. As a matter of fact, society depends on you and desperately needs you. I'm not making this up. It's in the text. We're going to get into the text in a moment. Let me say this again. Society depends on you and society desperately needs you. You may not be praised. You may not be sung. You may not be noticed. 
But just because you are not noticed, you are not sung, you are not, you are not uh, noticed, just because you are not praised, just because you are not being exalted by culture, make no mistake about it, you are important to society. Christian men, you are needed because the welfare of our society hinges upon God's blessing over you. I know I'm preaching Father's Day. Usually that's not the most excited sermon, but this is good stuff. Christian men, you are needed because the welfare of our society depends on God's blessing on you. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. The well-being of our society depends on God's blessings over you, men. Over us, men. So this morning, as the Spirit shall guide me, I want to teach and preach over Psalm 128, as I, I already alluded on the subject, the man that the Lord blesses. Now, let me give you the background of the text. Psalm 128 gives us a clear picture of that man. Oh, the background of the text. Psalm 128 is the ninth songs and what they call the songs of ascents. The songs of ascents are Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. And they were sung as the believers made their way from their homes to the temple in Jerusalem to celebrate the spiritual festivals. So whenever there was one of the major spiritual festivals, you would see it like this. Um, let, let, let me pick on, on those of us who are here this morning. The Timas would leave their house on their way. The Elis would leave their house on their ways. The Elfords would leave their house on their way. The Jeans, the Sejus, and everybody as we are making our ways to celebrate one of the major holidays that God has set forth for us as a reminder of things that he has done, we would be going and my house would begin to sing and David's house would begin to sing, Mark's house would begin to sing, Clement's house would begin to sing, and we all come together as we're making our way up to worship. We're all singing together. And one of the songs that they sang was Psalm 128. Now, Psalm 128... We don't know the author. Some people said it might be Solomon because Solomon is the one who's attributed to Psalm 127. And Psalm 127 and 128 gives you pretty much the same message. Psalm 127 talks about the blessings of children. But now Psalm 128 goes a little bit deeper. Because even though it's one of the songs of ascent, but it's a wisdom song. And, as, and again, as I said this, we need to glean this afternoon on the wisdom that we found in the psalm. There are two major moves in the psalms. And under those two major moves, I will make the points that I want to make. The first one is that is the basics of fearing the Lord. The basics of fearing the Lord the word fear happens twice in the, in, in, in the psalm, in the verse 1 and 4. Look what it says with me. It says this, Blessed are all who fears the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. That's supposed to be a capital H. I was supposed to fix that, capital H. That him means the Lord. Yes, in verse 4, this will be the blessing for the men who fears the Lord. Now, even before I get into what? blessings we're talking about, but let's stay in the context of the basics of the fear. And I'm so glad that Brother Dave, a couple of weeks ago, if you haven't listened to the sermon yet, go back and listen to it. He dealt with someone, and someone begins to give us the framework here again for what it is for the blessed of the man who fears the Lord. The phrase says, everyone, everyone who blessed are all who fears the Lord. The, the, it starts with a general blessings, everyone. So, which means it's not just men, it's not just, it's all of us. It's men, women, children alike. Married, single, divorced, no matter what, you, you ought to fear the Lord. 
What does it mean to fear the Lord and walk in his way? Someone is instructive at this point. Stating the truth of someone in a positive manner will help you to see this. Watch this. In other words, someone who fears the Lord is, number one, is one who seeks the counsel of the godly. It seeks the counsel of the godly. You you know how someone gives you the, 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 the negative saying? But now, let's flip the script. It, it's, it, someone who fears the Lord is one who seeks the counsel of the godly, who stands in the path of the righteous, who sits in the seat of the wise, who delights in God's word, and who meditates on God's word day and night. You want to know what it means to fear God? Here it is. The picture is set right before you. It's someone who seeks godly counsel. It's someone who stands in the path of righteous. It's someone who sits uh, um, in the seat of the wise. It's someone who delights in the word of God and, and also meditate on the scripture day and night. I don't know how people think that they fear God, but yet the Bible never opens. I don't know how it is that you fear God, you making decisions, and you don't seek the advice or the wisdom of the people that came before you. I mean, I, I know young people, we, we, we have this thing, let me make my own mistake. That's the dumbest thing somebody can say. If I went through something, the idea is that as I went through it, I share with you so you don't repeat my, repeat my mistakes. If, if you have to repeat my mistakes in order for you to be wise, both of us are dumb. I know we're not supposed to say the word dumb. My kids probably say, Daddy, you said a bad word. But it's unwise. Proverbs 19 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. As fathers, husbands, singles, youths, children, we must walk in the ways of the Lord. It is crucial that we do so. So now, what does it mean? What does it mean to walk in wisdom before God? It simply means that you listen to what God says and you apply it. Not just hearers of the word, be doers of the word. You, you, you know why men are so unsung? Because most men are on a steady diet. They repeat the same thing over and over again. Sit down, don't do this. Sit down, don't do this. Sit down, don't do this. And rarely you see that. Let me say, sit down! But it's sit down, sit down. Because again, the repetition. If you hear something, you do it. That's why most of the time, most of us men, we come home and the kids give us our wives' problem and the kids are, nah, 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 nah. wife about to lose their head. And you come and say, like, I said, sit down. And everybody's like, sit down. Because men are consistent. Men are called to be consistent. And men are always encouraging people to do that. That's what the godly man does. Our first, uh, um, what's the first takeaway that I want to give you as I go? You have to be clear about who you trust. Because if you fear someone, and if you listen to them, as it says, blessed are those who walk in obedience and who fear God. The person that you fear and the person that you obey to is somebody that you trust. Let's just say amen. So we have to be clear about who we trust. I don't trust men. I don't trust the government. I don't trust people's reports. I trust what God says. And men, and men, the encouragement here this morning is for you and I, is that though the world may seem to be upside down, but praise be to God, we have a captain who is steady. And the, uh, in the eyes of the storm, in the midst of the storm, we know we serve a Savior that can say, peace be still. That's why when everybody's emotional, going up and down, we as Christian men, we can have a steady hand and says, I know who my God is. I know, though I don't see how tomorrow's going to turn out, though I don't see how this marriage is going to survive, though I don't see how this kid's going to turn out, I don't see the college fund, I don't see how the mortgage is going to be paid, but I know my God who did it yesterday, he can do it today. He's brought me thus far. 
there's a song that, 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 that there's a good old hymnal that says, We've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting his holy word. He never felt me yet. Whoa, I wish I was in a I wish I was in a Baptistical church. We've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord. Trusting on his every word. He never felt me yet. You know what the chorus says? Oh, 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 don't turn around. We've come this far by faith. So when I trust in God, even though I don't see how tomorrow goes, even though I don't see, I don't see what may come out of this, but I know if I trust in God, he got me. And that's the thing here. One of the Old Testament scholars uh, 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 um, who's still alive, the former president of God in Conwell um, Theological Seminary, it says this, um, um, Kaiser, it says this, the fear of the Lord does not mean we are afraid of him or cower in the corner at the sound of his approach. It says this, the fear of God is instead an attitude of trust and a commitment, and a commitment to the God who loves us and is expressed and our desires to live by his word. When we fear God, we are not afraid of God. You know when we're afraid of God? It's when we do things we're not supposed to be doing. That applies for all of us. You know, we don't have to go too far. Adam. Adam in the garden. After he sinned, was afraid of God because he was hiding from God. But men, can I encourage you this morning? Men, women, children, can I encourage you this morning? You don't have to be afraid of God if you remain or if you walk in obedience to him and if you have reverence to him. As, uh, um, as husbands, fathers, singles, youth, children, we have to have that kind of reverence to God. So not only we saw the basics of fearing the Lord. Now, let's see the blessings of fearing the Lord. In one form or another, the word bless is used four times in Psalm 128. And by the way, whenever you're reading the Bible, you see the same word in a block of passages repeating. There's something God wants you to do to get from it. It's no different than when, you, when you're reading your, any kind of book. You see, you see the current theme keep repeating itself. Then God wants you to get something there. So here it is. Uh, um, but, but the word is translated in two different Hebrew words, even though it says bless. In the first two verses, the word is asher. Right? The, the transliteration pronunciation is asher, which is often translated happy. That's why in some of the translations in your Bible, it says, happy is everyone. I think the one uh, uh, um, Krishna uh, um, read earlier says, happy is everyone who obeys God or who fears God. And, and that's the word Asher, right? Uh, you guys hear that this is your little, this is your little Hebrew uh, um, education this morning. So Asher means happy. That's, that's the word that's used in the first two verses. Now, and also that's what we find in Genesis 30 verses 12, uh, um, 12 and 13. But in verses 4 and 5, it is the word Barak, like the former president, Barak, that's used, which means blessed of the Lord. So the latter word is used by the Lord when he blesses his people. So whenever God pronounces a blessings upon you, he does not use the word Asher, he uses the word Barak. That means the, that word is used to describe the good that comes when people do what is pleasing to the Lord. When you and I do what's pleasing to God and God pour a blessing upon us, it's a barak. I don't know about you. I may not need another eight years of Barack Obama, but I need a barak from God this morning. Uh, I, I, wish, I wish I had a church this morning. I know I'm talking about your president, but it's not about him. Because if God is the one who's barracking, if you will, your home. Woo, help me, Holy Ghost. If God is the one who's barracking your husband. If God is the one who's barracking your father. If God can put a barack on your household, that's what you need. 
That's what you need. We don't need a politician. We need a Barack from God. This morning, men, women, and children alike, if you obey what God says, you'll get a Barack. Because God cannot lie. God cannot turn on his promise. I'm going to get to that in a moment. Now, can I put, can I put a disclaimer in here? The author of Psalm 128 knew something about God's blessings. Three time, um, four times in sixth verse, he described God's blessings. See, here's the thing. When we talk about God's blessing, the Barak, he did not talk about getting a promotion or a raise at work or being recognized or celebrated on TV. Yesterday, I took some time out to watch some TV. I saw one Father's Day commercial. I watched soccer, I watched basketball, I watched the Food Network, I watched the Game Show Network. I saw on, on those four channels, in a span of about four hours, I spotted one Father's Day commercial. But when God said he's going to give you a Barack, if you obey what he says, you may not be on TV. I went to Walmart yesterday, I did not see anything about Father's Day. Talk about unsung, unpraised, and unnoticed. But here's the thing, guys. This morning, though you may be unsung, unnoticed, unpraised, but say, God, put a barack on me because I'm, li I'm listening to you. Ooh, put a barack on it. Put a barack on it. And the, the idea is this. The psalmist picture God's blessing in the context of a family. We're going to get to this in a moment, and I'll take my seat. We are blessed when we sit at the table and see a loving spouse and a cluster of kids enjoying dinner together as a family. We are blessed when we hold a new baby or feel the hug of a grandchild for the grandparents. I know my father-in-law is watching. We measure our blessings not in dollar or notoriety, but in the quiet joys of a home. Now I know, I know, I know. Some of you may not be married. Some of you may be single. Some of you may not have kids. But the blessing is in knowing that God's word will never fail. So if I obey God, even though I may not be married, even though I may not have kids, even though I may not have a wife, but the Barak is still mine. That's the blessing here. Here's what Numbers 26, 23, 19 says. God is not a man that he should lie. Nor the son of man that should change his mind. Has he said and he will not do? You know how the black, black Baptist preacher says, won't he do it? Won't God do it? Won't God change your circumstance? Won't God change your, won't God fight your battle? Won't God make a way where there's no way? Yes, he can. Yes, he will. Yes, he has. Because God never Fails. Whatever he has spoken, he will fulfill. That's why Psalm 128 is important. And, and here, here's a picture, and I'm trying to work this illustration in my head, and, and, and I hope you guys get this. When I was younger here, my school world in this young adults choir, I used to be in it. And as you guys already noticed, when I'm trying to sing the song, I can't sing. Singing is not my gift. I know. I got a witness in my wife. I know. Now she's Pentecostal. All of a sudden, she's Pentecostal. Amen. She's waving her hands and praising God. Amen. Hallelujah. She know I can sing. As, you know what? It's, I cannot sing, but I can tell when somebody's singing bad. When I was in graduate school, I worked in Pittsburgh in a children's hospital. They had my wife's number on speed dial whenever I started singing to, for, for, for them to call her and tell me to be quiet. I love to sing, but I can't sing. I, I'm, going, I'm going somewhere with this. But when I was in the choir, I used to sit, I used to be right over there, right over there. And, and, and Maestro Wolne knew that I could not sing. He would put me in between two people who could sing, because if I can hear what they're saying, I'm going somewhere with this, then all of a sudden my voice was, I was trying to mimic what they were doing. So he never made me do a solo here by myself, because he didn't want to embarrass me. Those were, that, that was Wayne's job to do solo. But me, I was back there, as they used to say, smoking, <laughs> messing around. So, so now, here is the picture in Psalm 128. The picture in Psalm 128 is this. When everyone had been rehearsing at home, 
and they are walking to, on their way, meeting the other families. So then they said, happy, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his way. And at that moment, the man stands, you know, like the best, said, you shall eat the food of your, the, the food of your hands. You shall be blessed and it will be well with you. And at that moment, as the men finish echoing their part, the wife says, I shall be like a fruitful vine within your homes. That's not, it's not, it's not all. Then now the children says their part. And they said, we shall be like olive shoots around the table. And then the whole congregation says, yes, you guys missed it. Now, everybody comes together now. That's the refrain in verse 4. Yes, this is the blessings for those of us who fear God. Can you imagine that singing and rhythm? And the, the, the men goes, the, the women goes, the children goes, then the whole congregation goes. And it doesn't stop there. I'm going to get those five, five things and I'll take my seat. The community now joins together. Woo! That's why I don't get it how people come to church and they say, let us sing, and you... I don't get it. In heaven, that's what you're going to be doing. It's a, it's a song with one word. Halle, 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 hallelujah, halle, halle. I know, I'm, I know I'm getting all excited this morning, but, but I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm in my Father's Day mood. I'm, being, I'm celebrating God for, the, for his goodness towards us. Now... Before I get to those five things quickly that I'm going to get about, just because you are not yet at the level of someone 28 doesn't mean that the blessing doesn't belong to you. One other thing that the enemy has done very well is that because we may failed at one time or another on this life journey. He tries to keep us right there in the failure and to, take, to, to, to make us think that we no longer deserve or merit God's blessings that belongs to us because God is not about looking at your past. I, I wish somebody was listening to this morning. God is not about looking at your past if you fear God, if you walk in his ways, your past is your past. Like Sister Elsa says, let it go, let it go. She's she a Christian. I believe she's a Christian. Let it go. And the message that she gives is a message that for you and I who have failed on this journey to remember that if you now walk in God's ways, if you Fear God. No matter what had happened in the past, it's what happened in the past. It remains in the past. So therefore, let it go. Someone 28 doesn't promise that we won't have times, we won't have hard times. We won't have rough patches. Someone 28 doesn't say that just because these blessings are yours doesn't mean that you won't be going through some tough times. Families are made of, of people. And like it or not, people are sinners. We argue. We misunderstand each other. We get our feelings hurt. And we say insensitive things to one another. A spouse may leave you. No fault of your own. But the blessings of someone 28 still belongs to you because God, as we learned last week, God is still in the restoration business. He redeems. So I want to encourage you, no matter where you find yourself this morning, this is not a message for people who are perfect. This is a message for people who are broken, for people who find themselves down and out to remind you that God says, I got you. The wisdom of the psalm is an obeying and fearing God. That's the wisdom of the psalm. Now here it is, five things. Here, here are the five blessings that we, we can count on this. Number one, provisions will be made for you. Provisions. It says this uh, uh, um, in verse one, 
uh, uh, um, in, in verse 1 of the, the psalm, it, it, it says this, Blessed are everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of your hands. Yes, you, you, you will be blessed, and it will be well with you. And, and, and in other words, there's reward, there's reward and work and satisfaction and labor that is a blessing. Ecclesiastes um, 3, 9 through 13 says this, What gain has the worker uh, from his soil? I have seen the busyness that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in men's heart. Yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there's nothing better for them then to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. Uh, you, you, you missed it. That was the Bible reading for you right there. Ecclesiastes, we, we, those of you who are taking notes, Ecclesiastes 9 through 13. It's, this, verse 13 says this. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of his toil. This is God's gift to men. Number two, not only provision is provisions are made. Number two, prosperity is yours. I'm not a prosperity preacher. I know that word is negatively connotated, but here it is. Prosperity says this: the godly men find prosperity as a result of a heart for God and the work of his hands. Hard work is given. Enjoying his fruit is a gracious gift from God. Watch this. God wonderfully turned the curse of Genesis 3, 17 to 19 into a blessing in Psalm 128, verse 2. Ooh, Pastor Perry, this is something very deep here. Let, let, let me read this again. God flipped the script in the curse of Genesis 3, 17 to 19. Let me read it for you so you don't think I'm making this up. And to Adam, God says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten the, 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 uh, of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground uh, uh, because of you. And pain you shall eat all of it the days of, uh, all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you were dust, and to dust you shall return. Watch verse 2. Verse 2 and someone 20 says this, You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. You see what happens when we obey God? What could be viewed as a curse turn into a blessing? So this morning, if you are married, said, said to, your, to your husband, husband, I, I don't know what, what you guys call him nowadays, husband, whatever, um, said, husband, all I'm praying is that you fear God and you walk in his way. And, and you, said, you, said to, you said to the wife, as I'm fearing God, as I walk in his way, this will be yours. You said to the kids, as I'm doing this, this will be yours. And if you're not married, pray for the wife in, in advance. Pray you're going to find somebody, your husband, your husband, whatever it is, that's going to be somebody who is going to fear God and revere God. You want to know the quality you need to find in a man to get married to? One who fears God? One who works in, uh, one, one, one who obeys God. If the man has a quality, he's a good man. And that's what we don't say about our men in society. We have a lot of men who are fearing God, who works with God, but we tend to highlight the few bad apples. But we don't praise the men who are standing, waking up in the morning, feed their kids, go to work, and take care of their business. We don't, and who praise over their wives, who pray over their children, who comes back home, even though they are tired, but still go to little league games, still attends the, the, the ballet recitals. We don't praise those men. But every now and then, even within the church, 
Oh, is it not good? No, no. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. We have good men. Don't they never, if the world does not celebrate a good man, the church has to celebrate a good man. And here's the thing for you young bucks who are coming, young pups who still got simulac on your breath, who are coming up. What, look up to those good men. They may not have the fancy cars, the fancy degrees, but I tell you something they got that you desperately need. They revere God and fear God. Prosperity is theirs. See, with the imagery of a fruitful vine and olive plants scattered all around the table, the psalmist now emphasize both growth and fruitfulness for the men who fears the Lord. Check this out. Now, number three, not only you see provisions is made, prosperity is made, but now you have a reproducing partner. Because this man walks with God, his wife flourishes like a fruitful vine. The picture here is that back in the old days, the fruitful, the, the vine was planted around the house. Now, let, let, me, let me break it down for you real quick. The vine cannot be on the ground. The vine is to be elevated in order for it to give true fruit, to, to be fruitful. So what would happen is that the vine would be put against the side of the house. Have you ever passed by those houses you see all those little, you know, it's almost like tree covers the house? That's exactly the picture here. That if the wife will be planted, be around the house, and be like a fruitful vine. And one of the scholars says this, it's like there's a hole that's um, cut to the house where the sun comes in. The ray of sunshine comes in as a result of the vine. But see, all of this is contingent upon the men's obedience. That's why that woman becomes the Proverbs 31 woman. There is no Proverbs 31 woman without the men and someone 28. I know a lot of y'all say, I don't need a man. Well, you do. You do. And you need to respect and honor that man for who he is. That's why you as a Christian woman, your attitude cannot be the same as of the world. I have more stuff to say, but I'll move on. Number four, you have a thriving posterity. You see, you see, number one, we see provisions. Number two, we see prosperity. Number three, we see reproducing partners. And, 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 and number four, we see thriving posterity. Let me make this plain. Olive trees are possibly the world's um, tree that lives the longest. And the Bible here, the psalmist used the imagery of olive shoots. Olive shoots are baby olive trees. They are not yet matured. Do you know how long it takes possibly for olive shoots to mature to become an olive tree? About 14 to 15 years. Can I talk to parents here this morning? Let me talk to myself. Be patient with the kids. Be patient with the kids. Because they take time to mature. And part of the maturity comes to what the man does. What the man does in partnership with his wife. And, and, and so, so even, as I'm, even as I'm talking to you this morning, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm confessing my sin of when I'm short-tempered with my son, when I'm short-tempered with the kids because they do something I don't like. I, I'm, 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 I'm preaching to you as I'm preaching to myself. Those of us... I know there are people who have much older kids than we are, but our generation now, our kids are about to go to middle school. I know Dave, Dave, Mark, we're in the same boat. Our kids are about to go to middle school, you know, fifth, sixth, sixth grades. And we begin to, uh, sometimes you're like, why you do this? Uh, right? I don't know, maybe not y'all, but I am. Confession is good for the soul. You, you know what I mean? I'm confessing. Confession is good for the soul. But the reality of it is this. These are olive shoots. 
And here is the thing. When the olive shoot is matured, did you know that it can live up to 2,000 years and still be fruitful? Woo! I just bless you, you missed it. In other words, our children, the one that God has given us to raise, if we do right by them, if we do right by them, our legacy will live, will outlive us. Generations will come. I'm going to close with an illustration in a minute to see what happens when people, when men decided to serve God, when men decided to obey God. Because the thriving posterity, you have kids, not that they're going to be perfect, but you know what? They're going to live to serve God, and that's going to go from generation to generations. Oh, one of the beauty of life, one of the beauty of life, and also it can be the heartache on one end, is to have kids who obey God and to have kids who don't obey God. There are moms and dads, there are parents who are on their bellies, there are parents this morning that, that are not having good Father's Days because they have prodigals. But even for those of you who have prodigals this morning, I got a word for you. The promises of God still stands. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Ooh, I wish I could sing. Your promise still stands. I know kids are going to sing for me in a moment, but great is your faithfulness. And that's what we need to be reminded of. That's what we need to hang on, even with the prodigals. You say, God, there may still be a olive shoots that's taking 20, 30 years to, to mature. But I know, whoo, I feel like preaching now. I know by the grace of God, they're going to become the olive tree that they're supposed to be and be fruitful. Even though the average says 13, 14, 15 years, but some people, you know, some people are a little slower than others. But don't give up. I got a word for you, mom, dad, we're listening. Don't give up. It may take them time to mature. And they're going to give you more gray hair than you would like. Make you bald before times. But just stand on God's promises because the olive shoots will become olive tree. And when olive tree becomes, it can be 2,000 years old. I was reading Tony Evans' book, Kingdom Men. We are going over this. Um, we have a little men's group that we do every third Tuesday. Shameless plug. Every third Tuesday of the month, we will go through Kingdom Men. And the chapter we're studying, it says exactly that. Exactly that. And Tony Evans says this. He went to Jerusalem. He saw an olive tree that was 2,000 years old and it was still being fruitful. I can't wait to go to Jerusalem just so I can see that tree. Because that's what my children are going to be. That's what your children are going to be. That's what our children are going to be. Amen? All right, last one. Uh, to take, away number, take away number two. You have to be committed to those you love. You have to be committed to those you love because you know why? And this is what, let me put this in, everything I just said into those that two sentences. Be committed to those you love because when you're committed to those you love, you become a blessing to your wife and a blessing to your children. Amen? That, that's, that, that's that. That's why I put the takeaway because I know I say a whole lot of stuff. If you don't remember, just the takeaways. Number five and last thing, you have a thriving legacy. That goes along with thriving posterity. When you're committed to those you love, you're not only being a blessing to your wife, not only a blessing to your children, but you become a blessing to the community. Verse 5 and 6 of our psalm says, says that. It says this, The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. All the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. That's why when I said the community began to sing, you know, you know the saying, monkey see, monkey do? There is something in the way that when we do community, that's why I don't understand how people said I'm a, I'm a Lone Ranger Christian. There's no such thing. You do community as, 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 as we do life on life. Families on families, what works for you at this moment, you're going to share with me because I don't make the same mistakes. That's why we are part of a community. And, and, and listen, the blessed life 
of that man must be a life that reaches out to extend and share the blessings to God of God to others. This man will be concerned for his city. This man will be concerned for his country, his children, and his grandchildren. Because he will recognize, as we must, that the family's future is bound up in health and welfare of a nation when men choose to revere and obey God. Tony Evans put it better than I can. He says, a jacked up man contributes to a jacked up family, a jacked up family to a jacked up church, a jacked up church to a jacked up city, a city to a state, a state to a country, a country to a world. He says, it all starts with a man. I, I, let me flip Tony Evans' script. A good man, a blessed man contributes to a blessed family, a blessed family to a blessed church, a blessed church to a blessed city, a blessed city to a blessed state, a blessed state to a blessed country, a blessed country to a blessed world. Men! That's who we are. That's what God called us to be. Last takeaway. As God bless you, you have to be concerned with where you live in the future. That's why you cannot be selfish. And here's the thing. Even for those of you who don't have children yet, there's kids in the church, children ministry, that means you adopt one of them. You become their prayer mom. You become their prayer dad. They are youths. You become a big brother, a big sister. Because God may not bless your womb with children, but that doesn't mean God doesn't place children on you to impact. I'm going to close with this illustration. A great American theologian called Jonathan Edwards. He lived from 1703 to 1758. Uh, um, he was a great theologian. They, they consider him to be America's greatest theologian. God used him to launch the first great awakening. And, and, and his family legacy is something to be cherished. In 1900, a gentleman by the name of Winship studied what happened to 1,400 descendants of Jonathan Edwards of, and, and Sarah Edwards, his wife. By the year 1900, this is what they found. They found, and his descendants, they included 13 college presidents, 65 college professors, 100 lawyers, and a dean of a law school, 30 judges, 66 doctors, and a dean of a medical school. 80 holders of public office, including three U.S. senators, mayors of three large cities, governors of three states, a vice president of the United States of America, a controller of the United States Treasury. His families had written over 135 books and edited 18 journals and uh, periodicals. Many had entered the ministries. Over 100 were missionaries and others were on mission boards. Winship continues in his writing. He says this, many large banks, banking houses, and insurance companies have been directed by the Edwards. They have been owners or superintendents of large coal mines, of large iron plants, and vast oil interests, and silver mines, there is scare, scarcely any great American industries that has, not, that has not had one of the Edwards among its chief promoters. He wrote this in Glimpses of Church's History. Men, this is the a mighty example of the men that the Lord blesses. This morning, you said, Pastor Perry, that's a good sermon, but how do I get there? How do I do this? It's simple. Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dressers. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that he may bear more fruits. Uh, let, me, let, me stop, let me stop right there. I don't, I don't need to go too far. Man, you and I, we need to be branched in the true vine. And the way you branch in the true vine is by giving your life to Jesus Christ. If you fell wayward, come. Jesus is calling you this morning to repent. And in your, upon your repentance, all you do, it says, God, I want to fear you. I want to have reverence for you. And I want to walk in your way. And like I said to you, society may hold your past. Praise be to God, it does not hold your past. You need to be connected to the vine. So this morning, even if you are struggling where you find yourself, you need to be connected to the vine. Because here's the funny thing. It's not how long have you been away from the vine. It's when you get connected to the vine. Because the moment you get connected to the vine, the blessing is yours. So this morning, if you wouldn't trust your life to Jesus, you watch on this broadcast, you said, oh, that was a good sermon. But how does it apply to me? I've already failed so many times. I'm on marriage number whatever. My kids are all over the place. I don't see it. But I'm here to tell you, if you will give your brokenness to God, just like as we've given our brokenness to God. I said this to people all the time. My parents got divorced when I was seven years old. Here I am today preaching the gospel. My paternal grandparents were voodoo priests and voodoo goddesses. Here I am preaching the gospel. My maternal grandparents were voodoo priests and voodoo goddesses. Here I am preaching the gospel. I am, I am what we said to be somebody who's supposed to be jacked up, but we serve a God. We serve a God when you can connect to this God, when you can connect to this tree, when you can connect to it, He can change your life upside down. Do I have it figured out? No, I don't. But all I know, I'm connected to the right source. Would you please this morning connect your heart to the right source? That's the wisdom. Don't miss it. The wisdom is that the Lord will bless you. For God to bless you, you need to be connected. Are you connected to the true vine this morning? I don't have anything else to say. As the worship team comes and sings, as they sing and they will do the call, would you please, I plead and beg of you, get connected to the vine because you'll be the man that the Lord blesses. God bless you.